the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. I'm real estate. I'm Dottie Herman. I'm here to tell you all the things about real estate and everything that has to do with real estate. And we're very lucky to have a special guest on, as I said in the beginning of the show, Douglas Kent. And Douglas is the um, author of Fire Escaping, Protecting Your Home with Fire-Resistant Landscaping. And with all the fires, which, as we heard last week from our Canadian correspondent, uh, they don't expect them to stop anytime soon. Uh, this is an important subject. So, Douglas, tell us exactly what firescaping, protecting your landscaping is, and, and, and I don't think most people really know that, know a lot about yeah. it. Yeah, good morning, Dottie. Um, firescaping is just a strategy to create a property that can withstand the impacts of a wildfire. So it can in, it can withstand the intense heat and the firebrands and maybe even direct flame contact. And this is a growing concern on the western uh, United States, especially the southwest, where we've been burning for thousands of years. So how did you now? How did you get into this business? How did you get into what? What made you get into this business? <laughs> Good question. Um, growing up in Southern California, I moved up to the San Francisco Bay Area in 1991, just a couple weeks after the tunnel fire, the Oakland-Berkeley fire. And that fire, uh, 2,900 homes were lost, 25 lives were devoured, all in 10 hours. And the neighborhood I was living in was just as flammable. And so the entire state really reacted to just that horrific fire. And horticulturalists like myself and landscape professionals really dove into uh, creating protected properties and communities throughout this state. And it's led to um, two books and work with agencies across California. Okay, so now... You're saying, now I know you wrote a book about this, and I'd love you to tell us a little about that, but I first want to ask you a few other questions. Uh, if you live in an area of fires, what, what is the best type of plants or, or shrubs to have? Are there certain shrubs that are fire-resistant or, or less prone to catch on fire? Yeah, you know, that's a really complicated question um, you know, because we're really talking about home protection here and life protection. And um, the very first thing you really want to do is, is work with your structure. 
You know, it's forget the landscape right off the bat. You really need to work with your house or your business to make sure that it can absorb those firebrands, those burning embers that are being blown ahead of the fire. And you want to make sure that the structure stands, that those burning embers don't penetrate the structure. And after you do that and you work on the first five feet and work on the, the elements in the landscape, like the furniture and the shade structures, then you work on the plants. And really, when it comes to plants, it's really about plant maintenance. Maintenance is far more important than plant selection. Um, I've seen plants that are supposed to be highly flammable, like juniper and cypress and pine trees survive a wildfire uh, simply because they've had good maintenance. On the other hand, I've seen plants like lily of the Nile, agapanthus, that is supposedly very fire-resistant, um, burn because it was poorly maintained and not irrigated. So there are plants you can pick that are less flammable, but the maintenance of the plant has more of an impact on whether that plant ignites than the actual type of plant. I hope, did that answer your question? Yeah, except uh, you're saying that, you know, besides not having the right plant, you have to maintain that right. So would you uh, recommend to a listener that they also, like, look up what the maintenance, the maintenance is and make sure it's not too difficult for them to keep that up? Yeah, absolutely. Here's the first thing about plants is you want to always remove the dead dying and diseased parts of that plant. That's the kindling. That's the fine material that's going to ignite from a firebrand or intense heat. And if you're constantly removing that material from your landscape, you've removed the kindling. You remove that link from a small fire to a large fire. So that's the first thing. Constantly remove that dead, dying, and diseased material from your landscape and each individual plant. Yeah, that's so important. You know, I was in California, and I can't remember how many years back. I was doing a speaking engagement, and um, I got there early, so I went to the beach, and um, it was so, you know, you couldn't get any sun. It looked like just clouds, or it looked just, you know, like you couldn't. So I went back to my room, and I I put the news on, and it's that California's on fire. And I was staying, I think, in, uh, I want to say, uh, Ritz-Carlton in Laguna, I think. And I have to tell you, it was one of the scariest moments in my life. We, I saw fire around me in every direction other than directly in front of me, which was the ocean. Uh, everywhere around me, there was fire and nobody the the airports were closed and the hotel that i was staying in was an evacuation place that people were coming from you know all over to stay there and those fires were horrible it took days for them to clear out um so i know it's probably a bigger problem on the west coast but i i i hear you that there are certain plants that would be better that won't ignite as much, and really it's to protect your home at the end of the day because if everything ignites around you, so is your home. So yeah. uh, is there a worse type of plant to have? Well, there are. I, what the fire you were talking about was the 1993 Laguna Beach fire, and that, that was, was a canyon fire. 
I'm sorry? I said I was there, and I don't think I could even describe it to anyone. I don't think they would really understand. It was really scary. Oh, super scary. Californians <laughs> totally understand. <laughs> We we all uh, we all have PSTD out here, you know. Twenty five percent of California's population lives with the risk of losing their house to a wildfire. So that's about ten million of our residents, and that number is growing because these fires are now coming into dense urban areas, as we saw in the um, Santa Rosa fire, the Tubbs fire of uh, two thousand and seventeen. So yeah, there are plants like you really do want to avoid eucalyptus and junipers and cypress and pine trees um, around your your home and your property. But again, I've seen those plants survive wildfires where the homes haven't. And I'm just going to reinforce this. If you really want to create a fire-protected property, you have to start with the heart, and that's the structure. Um, and during the Wolseley Fire of 2018, 1,643 structures were lost. It was a Santa Ana driven fire, and over 50% of those homes were lost to firebrands, and 40% of those burnt from the inside out, which means the firebrand penetrated the structure. You know, a good example is your garage door. They get a little wanky and wavy over time, and they create this gap between the door and the structure, and that's where a firebrand can just fly right into your garage and ignite a pile of clothes you were going to donate or a pile of newspapers, and and that is just such a common phenomenon on the West Coast to lose your house. You can have this impeccable landscaping and then lose your house to a firebrand that was somehow able to penetrate your structure. So good, good structure maintenance is the absolute key to um, creating protected properties and communities. Douglas, you wrote a book, so could you tell us a little about the book, the name of it, and how we get it? Oh, yeah. It's just it's called firescaping. I have two versions, one very horticultural version that came out in 2009, and then this updated second version that came out in 2019, and it really just focuses on the priorities. Um, and that's the structure, the first five feet access. You want to make sure your residents can um, flee and fight. And then I work on landscape features like shade structures, furnitures, play sets. And then I talk about plants. After those four things are done, then it's time to actually get into the garden and create this defensible space. And you can find this book anywhere on the West Coast. <laughs> you can find it anywhere. Uh, on the East Coast, it would be on Amazon or any kind of um, book retailer online. Right, right. So um, now, do you know if insurance would cover that? I mean, I'm sure it's a, a bigger problem on the West Coast, but I'm sure on the East Coast there's some places um, do, you, do you know, we have an insurance man coming on the, the, after you, so I could always ask him, but do some insurance cover, can you cover that? Oh, yeah. If, so it really depends. You really want to make sure that it says that you're covered for fire damage in your insurance policy. It is absolutely essential that you document all your possessions and that those possessions are both the documentation is both with you and with your insurance agent. 
And as you update your house, you really want to make sure that you update your inventory as well. Now, California, because we have so many communities in flammable foothills that some insurance companies are actually pulling out of the fire market in California. And that was in response to the 2018 just devastating um, season we had. We had the Wolseley Fire where 1,600 structures were gone. We had the campfire in Paradise where that fire leveled two towns. Nearly 19,000 structures, 86 people died. And ever since then, <laughs> it's gotten really sketchy about insuring um, people in these flammable foothills. So what is it like, can you give our, our listeners any tips that could help them protect their home in the event of, in the event of a fire? Well, of course, yes. First, the very first thing to do is check your house for any kind of opening. So, you know, your um, air vents for your attic, you want to make sure that those are properly screened with one-eighth-inch metal mesh. And a firebrand just cannot penetrate the structure when you have that kind of defense. Uh, you want to make sure all the gaps around all your doors and windows, that there's no gaps where a firebrand, think of a firebrand like a wasp. If there's any hole in your structure, that wasp is going to find it. You need to plug that hole. And then the next oh. important – I'm sorry. Yes, ma'am? Yeah. Oh, no, that's interesting because, you know, I have a house in the Hamptons, and I have, I'm always having the exterminators. There's so many bees. And there was one time when I first bought the house that the bees were actually coming through my house. They were like they, – they actually just – wore away at the wood and, and came in. So yep. you're saying if you have any holes or little openings, uh, make sure they're plugged. Same thing. Exactly. That was a fantastic um, example. Exactly the same thing with firebrands. I, I was petrified. I had my granddaughter with me, and she was like six months old, and there was a million bees outside, and then all of a sudden they started getting into my home. And I called up the exterminator, and I'm like, please, you've got to come. I've got a six-month-old baby here. The bees have actually gnawed their way into my house. And I know that sounds like kind of a, like crazy and exaggerated, but it wasn't. It was no, very... No, it's not. Yeah, so that's what I... carpenter bees do, honeybees do. Yeah, very common. So is so let's assume that you have a, a a bee's nest or something of that nature, a wasp nest. There might be a hole underneath that when they pull it when they take it down. Could be. Uh, well, maybe could be. It depends on the bee. The carpenter bee will actually eat your house. It will eat the wood. That's why it's called the carpenter. Um, but it really depends on the bee, or you know, if it's just um, a hive making bee like the honeybee, or even the the wasp, um, they'll just make a hive, and they won't actually penetrate the structure. But if there's a hole in your structure, like you're just missing some vent screen, then, yeah, they're going to come into your house and colonize. Um, so, yeah, f whether it's wasps, bees, or firebrands, you definitely want to create a fortified structure. Now, I know that's not fires, but with all the smoke that's coming in from Canada, that, you don't think that would expedite anything? Or do you think that has any effect on us getting fires, or that's just their problem? I mean, I, I don't want to put it that way. That sounds callous. I feel for them because, I, as I said, I had 
uh, guests on my show last week that said they're evacuating places it's that bad. Uh, yeah. Did, did, did that ever happen in California where they had to evacuate because of uh We've had to evacuate hundreds of thousands of people before. Oh, yeah. We've had – that's where the majority of our deaths happen when uh, – the evacuation process. The roads actually just get fully bogged down. Traffic comes to a, a halt, and then these fires catch up to the traffic jams. So, yeah, very common in California for these max uh, evacuation events. Um, but again, if you have a fire hardened structure, you have good clearance, at least five feet of clearance around your house, and you have 30 feet of defensible space, just those three things you have more than a 90% chance of survival. So it's actually not rocket science. We, we, we know how to create defensible. Anything around their home in five feet that uh, is, could be flammable, right? Is that yeah, nothing? Yeah, nothing remotely flammable. So in patients would be good. Ferns, if they're well loved, would be okay. Gravel would be great. But California is now outlawing woody mulches up against houses. Um, anything that can act as kindling um, should not be up against a structure. Nothing. So that shade, um, shade devices, furniture, mulches recycling bins, composting, all that needs to be pulled off your house. And the reason being is that if a, a fire starts against a vertical and slick surface, um, it increases the flame length by two times. So a grass fire in the open would only grow to three feet, but a grass fire next to your house would grow to six to seven feet. And then all of a sudden it can penetrate the eaves. They can do the um, trim around your windows and all of a sudden your, your structure's in peril. Now what happens if you're, let's say whether you're a store or whether you're a house, let's say your next door neighbor gets on fire. Now again, it, it, it probably is, based on, like, how close you are to them, but also the winds. What happens if it maybe the, pla the place next door to you gets on fire? Or uh, the you, house you are in deep trouble. You are in deep trouble. So it, that's the problem with California is we have built our houses so close together that when one house is not defensible, one house inflames and ignites, then it's a dominoes. It just spreads right down the block because there's only 12 feet separation in between these houses. And houses burn at about three to 4,000 degrees. And that radiant heat is enough to ignite the inside of the structure next to it. And that's why we have these huge numbers. That's why we lose 1,600 homes or 18,000 homes in wildfires in California is because these houses are just too close together. And when one goes, they all go, and it's a real tragedy. So, in other words, if you have a negligent neighbor who doesn't really take care of the holes and things, that could affect <laughs> Yeah, that's a huge liability, big liability, and, and there's very little recourse you can do, unfortunately. Uh, you can file a report with your local fire agency and see if they can get an inspector out there to demand compliance with, with fire code. Um, you can bring over cookies <laughs> and try to bribe your way into compliance. So let me ask you something. Our property 
Park area just as susceptible as properties in California? You you are becoming, because of uh, the warming of our planet, um, upstate New York is becoming more ignitable and flammable. So, yes, this is relevant information to your to your listeners. Thank you, Douglas. We're going to get your book. Okay, thank you, Dottie. I've enjoyed your show. Dennis Prager here. Join us in Israel this fall. Soon, time will run out, and then you'll regret you didn't go, I promise. Mike Gallagher and I are headed back to Israel in October with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to stand with Israel. That's the name of the tour. We'll be visiting amazing places in the Holy Land designed to encourage and captivate you at every turn. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. In Israel, we'll explore some of the most fascinating sites from religious and political history. We'll walk on the street of Jerusalem, sail the Sea of Galilee, float in the Dead Sea. In fact, you could even sit in the Dead Sea with all its healing and rejuvenating effects and visit the Western Wall, a spiritual experience you will always remember deeply, fondly. Our expert guides will help explain the significance of every site and our food and accommodations are specifically designed with you in mind. No other trip will be like the Stand with Israel tour. Sign up today to travel with Mike Gallagher and me this October. Call 855-565-5519 or just visit StandWithIsraelTour.com. This is Dennis Prager. Now you can listen to my show when it's convenient for you and without censorship from big tech, become a member of the ultimate online community for all things Prager. It's PragerTopia Unlimited. Listen to the show on demand when it's easiest for you. This includes every radio show, every segment, and every guest over the last 10 years, and it's commercial free. You can even share your favorite segments with your friends. Plus, you'll get the same email from Alan Estrin that I received every night about the most important issues to read about. Pregatopia Unlimited members can also listen to every program, lecture, and course that is in the Prager Store. Thousands of hours. You can even listen to all my Torah teachings for free. Share my passion for free speech. Join today and save 25% off the first year and get a free Pregatopia coffee mug. It's all things Prager, Pregatopia Unlimited. Go to Pregatopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful at lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question, and the owners of Relief Factor tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and I agree with them. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor selected the four best ingredients, yes, 100% drug-free ingredients, each helping your body deal with inflammation. Each of the four ingredients deals with inflammation from a different metabolic pathway. That's right there, approaching from four different angles, maybe why so many people find such wonderful relief. So if you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or just getting older, you should order the three-week quick start discounted to only $19.95 to see if it will work for you. It has for about 70% of the half million people who've tried it, and they've ordered more. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF, the number 4-RELIEF, to find out about this offer. Feel the difference. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and uh, I am thrilled to have our my connoisseur, the, the guy that I go to for everything insurance. He's the best, knows everything, Peter Conte. He's been on the show as long as I've been on the show. 
And, of course, I want to talk about insurance and, of course, how much is too much insurance, what is absolutely necessary, uh, and also a, a question that I know a lot of people don't report things because they think their insurance is going to go up. But let's just be current. Now, we just had in New York for the second time, uh, because I think I can't remember how long ago it was. I think it was right before the pandemic. We had the crane. It was right by my house, and it was hanging. Uh, and now we had another crane, and thank God nobody died. But who is responsible for that? Good morning, Dottie. I'm so happy to be back on with you. I hope you're having a great weekend and you're beating the heat. Um, when it comes to the crane, I think the most important part to know is that, of course, it's the construction company. It's whoever owns the crane. It's their liability. But I, I want to bring it back to personal insurance because I think all of us saw the video of the crane falling. And when it fell, it hit the skyscraper next door. You saw that, right? Yes. Okay. So when it comes to the building next door, those people obviously can't live in their apartments until it's repaired. So the most important thing to remember is on your renter's policy or your condo co-op policy or even your homeowner's policy, falling objects is a covered peril. So that crane that fell into those apartments, if they have renter's insurance, they can actually put the claim into their carrier, and then they can take advantage of the loss of use feature on their policy, and then they can have a place to stay. So then on the back end, of course, the insurance carriers will deal with the liability, right? They'll go after the crane company. They'll go after the general contractor. They'll go after the crane operator. Because I also think I heard something about the crane operator, how he was involved in a previous crane accident. Don't quote me on that, but... I think that that's an important aspect. And when it comes to you, me, the people in the uh, in the apartments that, you know, or maybe it was an office, but whoever, the most important thing is to rectify your situation, make sure you're in a good living area. So take advantage of that loss of use, put the claim in, go get an apartment somewhere else or a hotel room for the time being, and then let the insurance carriers deal with the liability, right? You're never... Just as a normal renter in New York, feeling going to sue the crane company, you're going to be locked up for years in court. I know, but Peter, I really wouldn't think, and I'm just assuming this, that most people like myself, is, you know, would I, I like I never even thought about that until you just mentioned it. Like, what happens if something falls on my building? Because that crane was right next to my building at the time. Um, if you don't have insurance and the crane does something to your building that, you know, or some accident, then you're just out of luck? So, thankfully, there's a double-edged sword, right? A lot of people don't like insurance, but you need it. So a lot of apartment buildings are forcing people to buy insurance. Now, and like you said, a lot of people don't know that that is that is a feature of their insurance policy. So my recommendation to you is get a local broker in Manhattan. The second that crane fell or was on fire, I was in the office. I was going through all of our clients to make sure we had no clients in that building, to make sure all of our clients were safe. To, and if they weren't, that would be a phone call. I would have to get on the phone with them to make sure they're okay. That's what we do. That's why, you know, we've been around for over 120 years in Manhattan. And that's why a local broker is so important because if you go to if you go to 
Geico or Lemonade or use a policy like that, they're not going to look out for you. But let me ask you something, because I had this problem, and that's why I want you to take over my insurance. I couldn't get insurance. Um, that There was no insurance. I mean, I'm like a mile, maybe a mile and a half from the uh, ocean, and so they just wouldn't give it because they said that, you know, they, they were afraid. And so um, and I, I, I couldn't find insurance carriers. It was... So I had to just go with somebody who get, I had to give them all my policies. That's the only way they would take me because a lot of insurance yeah. companies won't insure you. So uh, how do you so, find a company like yours? They just call and just let them review it? Yeah, call up. I, am, I, am, I try and be one of the most transparent brokers you'll ever find. I'm happy to review anyone's policy and let them know my thoughts. And if I can't beat their price, if I can't get them better coverage, I'll be the first one to say, stay where you are. But right now, when it comes to you and finding insurance for your home, we are going through right now one of the hardest markets for personalized insurance. Homeowners policies are becoming actually really difficult to write. And when it comes to Long Island, they're becoming almost, they're incredibly difficult to write. Just because they consider that coastal now, hurricanes have been coming up and taking out carriers reserves getting reinsurance, carriers buying, carriers, excuse me, buy insurance for the insurance they sell. So the reinsurance market, that's what we call it, is drying up. And the negotiations are really difficult for the carriers this year. So insurance rates are increasing and carriers are lowering their exposure to coastal, to coastal uh, hazards. And even if you're a mile away, carriers are still going to, underwrite very tightly this year it's going to yeah. be it's, bay, it's a difficult year for insurance yeah because i i was in oyster bay and i uh, maybe i'm a couple of miles from the sound maybe three and uh i couldn't get insurance there either so it's really tough to find insurance yeah. these days so i think that people should call you because it's really not that i don't think it's so easy uh get it. And especially and, right now if you have, if you're coastal and you have insurance, you can shop around, but be prepared for someone to tell you that there is no other option other than what you have. It's, 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 if we represent 20 carriers, we represent about 20 carriers, Dottie. Maybe five of those carriers have not reduced their appetite. Maybe five of those carriers are, carriers have just stopped writing in New York. Um, it's gotten really bad with claims and with the inflation going, rebuilding houses and condos, co-ops, and even buying back, you know, personal property has gotten more expensive. Their losses are going crazy and they're all trying to tighten their belts a little bit. Yeah. Now let me ask you, when you, uh, let's say you, you buy an apartment in a building in Manhattan or a building in anywhere that's got multiple families, would it be important for you to check out the insurance that the building has before you buy it? Yes. So that's actually a great question because there are certain types of policies. I'm sorry? I mean, I just thought about it. Like, what if the building that you're in doesn't have adequate insurance? How would you know that? I mean, yeah. it wouldn't be a question I would think to ask, but because we're talking about it, it just came into my mind. So the buildings, 
let's say it's a condo in Coke, right? Let's not talk about renters for this one, okay? Because right. renters is very simply the building has to cover all of the stuff really within within the within the building. But in a condo and co-op, generally the rule of thumb is the building is responsible for the honeycomb and everything within inside the honeycomb, the cabinets, the bathtub, the 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 tiles in the bathroom, uh the flooring, the paint on the walls, the sconces, the lighting, that's your responsibility. So my suggestion is always grab a copy of the master policy that the building has. And that should be done during due diligence when you are looking to buy an apartment. Send it to your broker and have your broker read the insurance terms. And if you can get your hands on the policy, take a look at that too and send it to your broker. Because there are some great policies for condos and co-ops that the building is actually responsible for everything in your unit as well. You're paying a lot more monthly maintenance, but it is a great policy, and then you get to save on your personal insurance. Yeah, that's that's because you know I just was thinking about that. I'm going to check with mine. Now, um, I want to move on to something else because I, you know, live in the city, and you know, uh, these bikes are crazy. I mean, I worry about getting hit by a bike before there's no half these people don't know how to drive, and uh, the, the, they're just reckless. And uh, with all these bikes around, so when it comes to an e-bike, do uh, do they have to have insurance, or are they just on their own? So currently, and I was I was I had a meeting with a whole bunch of different insurance brokers throughout Manhattan and Long Island the other day, and we were talking about the e-bike problem, and and we call it a problem because. There's a twofold issue with this. One, the e-bikes, the batteries are exploding and lighting buildings on fire all yeah. over Manhattan. And two, the second one is the liability for these e-bike riders is not there. They don't have to be licensed. They're not regulated. And if they hit you, they can just drive away. It, it, you know, obviously that's wrong. They can ride away. But there's also probably no we, – we came to a stalemate in the discussion whether there was coverage for liability on their homeowner's policy for their actions on the bike. And some people stated that there was no liability, but one of them, one of them mentioned that they saw a young lady get hit by a bike and she had to go to a hospital and it cost her $30,000 to repair her shoulder, to repair her hip, to repair her knee. And she had to pay out of pocket. There was no coverage on the e-bike riders policy for that. So this is this is an issue that w- the insurance brokers, hopefully in New York, will write to the state, will write to New York City, and hope that we can get some changes going on with with the e-bikes because they are a danger right now. We have a break. This is really an important subject. So I would really want to talk about these e-bikes problems, and they have no liability. So we're going to finish with uh, talk about that with Peter Cotton. I 
970 The Answer is bringing Dr. Lederman's expertise in alternative cancer treatments to prime time every Monday night at 7. Dr. Lederman is triple board certified in radiation oncology, medical oncology, and internal medicine, and is the first physician to perform non-invasive body radiosurgery in the Western Hemisphere. On an outpatient basis, no hospitals, no cutting, no bleeding. Radiosurgery takes minutes, is painless, non-invasive, and usually very well tolerated. Join Dr. Lederman Monday night at 7 on AM 970 The Answer. Hi, it's Arthur Idala. Let's talk about my friends at Bay Ridge Honda because they are kicking off July 4th savings by saving you $1,500. That's how much you get when you turn in your trade or lease and purchase your next car with the Sabah family at Bay Ridge Honda. They've been your family-owned and operated dealer for over 60 years. Browse from over 200 new Honda vehicles and over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President's Award winning dealership. And right now, get 0% APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long. Plus, receive $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your next car with them. Even if you don't buy a car from them, they want to buy your car. So visit them at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. Available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details. Ends 730 This is an urgent announcement for anyone that's $10,000 or more in debt. Before you make another minimum payment, you need to know there are special programs that can completely free you of your debt. Total Financial Freedom can help you become debt-free in months instead of years. Resolve your credit card debt, signature loans, department store cards, internet loans, and timeshares. Call now at 800-533-6605 for a free consultation. For 16 years, Total Financial Freedom has helped thousands get out of debt. You can feel confident when calling because Total Financial Freedom is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and a Christian-owned company. Don't get stuck in the endless cycle of payments. You have the right to get your debt resolved and substantially reduce your monthly payments. Call Christian-owned Total Financial Freedom now at 800-533-6605. That's 800-533-6605. 800-533-6605. As a local business owner, you get called every week by marketing companies. We get it. We have hundreds of satisfied customers. Here's what a satisfied client recently said. Open enrollment is going great. We're hitting record numbers. Thank you so much for this report. It really is amazing to see how the marketing is really shaping our enrollment around the city. If you're a local business and ready for the next step, Google Salem Surround New York right now. Our experts are ready to help you take your marketing to the next level. Google Salem Surround New York today. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Peter Conte on uh, a a problem that I think is becoming out of control, and that's e-bikes. And it's becoming out of control throughout the the country where these people have no licenses. Matter of fact, uh, while we were had the uh, commercial, uh, I just got an email from someone who wrote, Peter, every day, there in California, off the 101 right by my house, there is an accident with an e-bike. Lots of kids riding double without helmets, not obeying traffic laws. There were two deaths in the last two months. There should be a standard license, and, of course, people have to take to have an e-bike. 
Which I agree with 100% because they're, they're, half these people don't even know how to ride bikes. Uh, yeah. But again, if you get hit by an e-bike or something, there's no liability to them, and most of them probably don't even have anything to have liability. There's no insurance, so you're kind of s. I say, as the cops would say, SOL. Yeah, I yeah. won't say that, but so, you're out of luck. One of one of the reasons, or one of the issues that was brought up at the meeting that I was at, was that on the homeowners policy, because the e-bikes have a power source. That may be the cause or, you know, they have a specific horsepower in their batteries and engines and what have you. That may be the reason that there's no liability on the policies. I haven't seen yet. I haven't personally had to deal, and I'm very thankful for this. I haven't personally had to deal with a claim where one of my insureds has been hit by an e-bike, and I hope I don't have to. But it is it is a frustrating situation because who? how do you get recourse? What if you don't have medical insurance? What if, you know, what if someone's riding on the back of an e-bike and they fall off? The owner of the e-bike should be held responsible, and there should be some sort of licensing for these. I mean, Dottie, how fast do these things go? Some of them go zipping through the bike lanes, and you can't even, looking both ways doesn't even help. They don't have to have licenses. They don't even have to ride, know how to ride a bike, and they're very dangerous. Um, yeah. And so I think, I mean, I think, first of all, that people should have to take some course in bike riding with some safety rules and get licenses. Not that just anyone can ride a bike, but it uh, doesn't seem to be happening. But let me, I've, I've heard of cases where e-bikes that people have in their homes or, let's say, in the building someone owns one, and it blows up. Yep. Yep. So a lot of... I, I the whole building. I mean, how is that permissible? If you have an e-bike, do you have to report that to anyone? You don't, I don't think, but I could be wrong. So now what's happening is this has been happening very often, and a lot of fires that have been going on in Queens and Brooklyn have been, starting, have been started by the e-bikes blowing up. But I know for a fact some of the buildings we work with, they're now mandating that if you have an e-bike, it cannot be in the building. They do not allow it. Um, there are corporate offices that are also mandating that you cannot even bring an electric scooter into the corporate office just because these are ticking time bombs that no one knows when they're going to go off. So it's that's a very dangerous situation. And if you bring it in, if you bring an e-bike into someone's building or an electric scooter into someone's building, let's say it's your friend's apartment or whatever, and it explodes and a fire starts that's your liability you need to have homeowners insurance for that because that was an accident and an act of negligence so there could very well be a claim or a lawsuit brought against you and i promise you those fires if you talk to any fire department or any 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 fireman the battery fires are some of the worst they burn hotter than normal fires and they last longer than normal fires. It can take 31 days to put out a a exploded car battery or or in an EV in an electric vehicle. Some Teslas need to be submerged for a month in order to make sure that there's no chance of them reigniting. But would you suggest that if you live in a building um, that you go to your uh, 
building association and, you know, and, and see if they have a policy on that. And if they don't, try to urge them to have some protection because I know in the city there's a lot of people that have e-bikes yeah. in their apartments. Yeah, absolutely I do. I think it's important because you may not have a electric scooter or an electric bike in your apartment, but do you know if your neighbor below you does? What about exactly. two neighbors below you? Exactly. You know, it just happened to me about a, maybe a month and a half ago. Uh, the man upstairs for me, and I was away, uh, left his bathtub on. And uh, I guess uh, I wasn't home, so I didn't know. And it, the water just kept on going, and it smashed in my ceiling. It, it, my whole bedroom was wiped out. And when I... When um, I came back to that, uh, I called them, and the guy told me he didn't have insurance. At, at first, he lied to me and said he didn't have insurance, and then, as it turned out, he really did. But, I mean, when you live in a building, you have to not only worry about what your own insurance is, but you have to worry about uh, Eva, you know, other, other people because it's going to affect you. So I would suggest, I don't know, some buildings might have policies, but, you know, the bikes have really just gotten big, really big in the last, I don't know, seven or eight years, five or six years. So right now it seems yeah. like we're overridden with them. And I'm, I'm really against it because I think in the city it's so dangerous and I think they cause more accidents than anything. Uh, but I think that maybe people should go and, you know, go to, con go to your condo meetings or your co-op meetings and make sure that you bring these subjects up. Or at least go and check if your building allows e-bikes in them. And uh, if they don't have a policy, you might want to bring that up at one of the meetings they have because it's a problem. And why don't you think they have the license or anything? Do, do you have any discussions on that? I think that, and I have to be careful with what I say here because so the, we do know there's two different types of e-bikes. There's There's... The ones that are just solely powered by electric where you don't have to pedal. And there's the electric-assisted bikes that there is. There are city bikes throughout all of the city that are electric-assisted, and you do have to pedal as, as, uh, in order for the battery to kick in and help you go faster. Now, I think when, usually when there's a big company behind some things, there are some some issues with that and I don't want to go down that road but I think that there's some interest behind the e-bikes I think it helps people it, it certainly helps the food delivery industry and you know th there's a lot of there's a lot of interest behind the e-bikes so I think that's important um also it eliminates the use of cars which New York City is very is really doing uh for the past few years that's always something they've been trying to accomplish so Bicycles being able to help that, that I don't think that they are requiring the licenses because they want more people to switch to bikes and they want people to see that the bicycles are safe and efficient and you're saving the world and the environment and you're saving space in Manhattan. But no one foresaw these issues coming. And now that they're here, I think that we have to change our course of action. I think licenses are very important. The bikes, the bikes, go way too fast and people are getting injured and people apartments are going on fire it's it's not as it, it's just 
Cars are bad because they run people over. E-bikes are bad because they run people over too. So I think that they need to be regulated. I think the licensing needs to come. And I think that, you know, hopefully the government steps up and sits there and recognizes this as an issue. I think that they are, they have to do something soon. I don't want to be political, but I have a feeling. I mean, it seems uh, totally out of control, at least in Manhattan. You know, it's not California. There's so much traffic in Manhattan is worse than before the pandemic. And there's millions of these. It's grown and grown and grown. And maybe they didn't think it through well enough, like you said. They thought, well, if this is a good thing, we'll save. You know, but at the long run, it's really becoming uh, a danger, in my opinion. Not only a danger that the bikes blow up, but a danger, like, these people, that they, they don't know what they're doing. And they just really just weave in and out. And I think they cause a lot of accidents. Um, I, you know, I... So I, but I don't have a lot of faith that that's going to be on their priority list because um, I well, sometimes wonder, I, like, who, who runs things and what do these people have common sense? Or maybe when they think of something, you know, it's good to look at things, but look at, you know, oh, this is a solution, but you really have to look at the long term. And as you said, maybe they didn't expect it to take off the way it did, but when there's e-bikes that they allow you to take all over, it's really become a problem. Now, how do people get in touch with you, Peter? Um, is there a, I know there's a website, but what's a, there's a phone. To, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Because I really feel that I know nobody wants to hear about insurance because it, nobody likes insurance. But if you don't have it and you, and you have something that you didn't expect, like what I just had, if I didn't have insurance, I would have been I would have been out at least fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. So well, in, insurance is uh, it, if you so, don't have it, you need it, and if you have it, then you need me. Uh, and I'm happy I'm happy to discuss it with anyone. Feel free to call me at two one two seven 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 one one three. I have a whole team of people who are ready and uh, able to help you. But if you want to talk to me directly, just ask for Peter Coffey. I didn't get that number. I want to post it on my website so people are driving and they can't write. 212-777-7113. You know you're getting Okay. Peter. I think we're coming to an end. You have to come back again. I have so many more questions to ask you. You are really super. You're the best And I personally will be calling you on Monday. Have Thank a great you, Dottie. I... Thank you so much for your time. Have a great weekend. And it's helped so many Have a great weekend, everyone. The preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.